Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cinema Nerd Presents, the filmography of Hoyta von Hoytema. My name is Kyle Woods. I'm here with my buddy James, and he's going to explain to us Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. I, um, I, um, I feel foolish for having never seen it before. Uh, quite, quite enjoyed it. I think um, the, there's a bit of like coming to terms with how they directed it. Like, so at the start, I was like, wait, when did this happen? And when did, because they kind of cut to, they cut to memories, they cut to flashbacks, they cut to, like, so there's, there's a lot of cutting around and it, and it jumps in time a lot. So you, you can sometimes be watching a scene and then realize it was a couple months ago you know when yeah. the next scene happens and i have some thoughts about the way this movie is paced and i want to get into that and probably some other things about this movie for sure but I, I the, the performances are great and uh like you know the the intrigue is sincere like i i kind of was like this is this feels like what it would be like at that time you know like a lot of the the people are I think it succeeds as a period piece for sure. I really like the the production design as a, a win all, all across. Um, before we talk too much, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Anything else you've been viewing? Uh, yeah, so uh, we watched uh, the Secret in Their Eyes. Oh, look! look uh, shit! Now I've forgotten the word for a secret. Por sus El Secreto de Sus Hoyos. <laughs> yeah, sure, let's go with that. I don't know, I'm, I'm yeah. Uh, but it was great. Oh man, there's some, like if we're talking about like camera work, yeah, uh, Jose brought up that uh, there's an amazing single shot in that one that's like a five minute take or something. It's uh, following the people looking for a guy at a stadium and it kind of comes from almost space into okay. the stadium and then follow cams them around and then does the chase it's it's yeah right on i don't feel like i've seen this movie since about 2010 or so yeah. but i remember yeah. really digging it and feeling like that's my that's all i can contribute to this conversation is my impression of it being awesome yeah yeah uh, i hadn't seen it uh, yeah, Jose recommended it, and I was like, "This is great!" Right on. Um, and then another one was—I I don't know if I talked about it—but *The Handmaiden*. Did I talk about that? I don't know if you did. No, it was uh, from uh, not last year, but maybe the year before. Uh, yeah, *The Handmaiden*. Uh, just watched it. Uh, it, it is. I'm just going to look up the director because I. Yeah, Chan Wook Park. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not what I thought that film was going to be. So it's quite interesting because uh, when I watched it, uh, so basically it's uh, it's got spoilerable things in it. So I'm not going to explain the story, but okay. um, uh, the kind of movie goes as how you think it's going to go for about half the film. And it's a very long film, but half the film you're like, okay, this is what it is. And then it kind of flips on its head a little bit for you. And, um, right on yeah it's got yeah. a very uh strong reputation 
I'm a fan yeah. of, I, you know, I didn't love Snowpiercer so much, but obviously Old Boy has a, a special place in my mind as like breaking my brain with cinema early on. Right, yeah, and it's, it's I, I think he could have cut it down a little bit. Okay. Because just, just for like pacing reasons, because the film is so much fun in some ways, uh, it could be a bit more punchy because the first half is being a different film and it, it slows you down for quite a while. Um, but it's a good film. Um, okay. Well, I mean, he's a great director. Yeah, I'm looking forward to yeah. it. Oh, actually, and my other note for that film is, without drawing spoilers, is at the end, there is a very obvious end to the film where kind of most of the story is kind of finished. Okay. And then there's about five more minutes mm-hmm. of just showing more stuff. And I, I kind of got a bit tired of that. Like, so I'm, it's a long film and there's like a, everything's mostly resolved. And then it just shows things happening and you're like, okay, I mean, I got that, you know, five minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, um, it's the, it's the return of the king effect, you know. The return of the king kind of works though. And I'm, I'm no, does, through my, just because, because you've been three films worth of. You have yeah. to end 20 stories, right? And yeah. every movie needs a coda and that like length is, I don't know, whatever. I remember sitting oh, in the no, I, I'm, I'm being foolish because I enjoyed Return of the King and I felt that it was an epic story end to an epic, you know, like it was an epic yeah. end to an epic story and I kind of enjoyed seeing what everyone was up to. Um, but this one, it, it does that, but you kind of got the idea before. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, um, yeah, that, that's essentially where I end up. Um, I was like the first, so my main memory of that is being in the theater for a midnight screening after a double feature, like we'd seen something else and then went to Lord of the Rings because it was premiering at midnight. And so yeah. by the time the fourth ending comes on, it was like, four in the morning and I was just done with being alive at that point I couldn't even exist you know but every time I've seen it since then I'm just like no this is a perfect coda we need a little breather here and to get everybody back to base you know yeah yeah no actually it's a it's a it's a silly comparison because it actually it's one of the ones that works but it does do the whole 12 endings thing but yeah. I was just looking through my letterbox to no avail because I, I know I saw something recently that made me feel that way where I was like, why is this movie ended so many times? And I just can't call it to mind right now. So this is a bad story. Sorry about that. No, it's all good. <laughs> um, yeah, what have you been watching? Um, I got a couple. Maybe it was, no, it couldn't have been. I watched Sliding Doors for the first time. <laughs> Wait, did I tell you about this? Did or... you? I watched it. I watched it like two weeks ago or something. You um, must man. Meg's yeah. also has been bringing it up because she was fond of it and remembered it as like, no, I like this movie. And yeah. I had the whole time I was just like, why? I don't know. No, I'm I'm in I'm in Meg's. Um, like I watched it recently and I kind of cringed a few times, but mostly I enjoyed 
I could not stop cringing, man. I thought I found the performances all so flat. I found the casting very confusing. I think the direction is straight up bad in that movie. There's a couple of scenes, and it's not even, there's not a lot to capture, and yet I'm constantly losing track of where people are within the scene, not even from scene to scene. I get that we're balancing two characters. That's not the confusion. I'm, I'm, I'm pointing at very weird coverage choices. You know, I just felt like, okay. what am I looking at here? Yeah, right. Um, okay. Well, <coughs> sorry. No problem. That out. Um, the, yeah, no, I, I watched it. There's a few weird things, obviously, um, but I, I didn't mind Gwyneth Paltrow's uh, performance and I didn't mind the love interest the, the um he's good he's just a crazy choice for a romantic lead because he's that not was, that was refreshing to me so that might be where i'm so basically i'm like oh you could just get hugh grant and chuck him in there and then he's oh you know oh, but this kind of, of, guy has to be self-deprecating and kind of weird like i get that that's part of the the charm of this thing it's just that he's not weird enough, you know, and maybe that's the sort of reservation of the cultural sensibility. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't dial into it at any point. I just didn't know, you know. Did you enjoy seeing London? Because I, I, um, I did enjoy uh, seeing London. Yeah. But basically, that was like, because I remember seeing that movie a long time ago and then seeing it again. Yeah, I was. I was like, hey, I know all these bits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was also nice seeing it again in Tinker Toler, Taylor, yeah. Soldier Spy. Um, yeah, a couple of things I liked more that I'll talk about. I caught up with the first time viewing of Rachel Getting Married. From like, I know it. It's probably like 10 years old. It's Anne Hathaway and, um, oh, who plays the titular Rachel? Uh, an actress that I really, really enjoy. And now I have to look it up, sorry. But it's about a... Um, recovering drug addict at her sister's wedding and Anne Hathaway is the lead of this thing Rosemary DeWitt is Rachel the uh the woman getting married okay performance it's a Jonathan Demi movie and I I think he's becoming one of my favorite filmmakers because I've watched a couple of his recently just on catch-ups like I watched Philadelphia and then I think I probably watched Silence of the Lambs like once a year you know okay and that's him. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the thing that he does better as a filmmaker than anybody else I can call to mind is intimacy. He really understands very personal relationships. And not, I, I, I can't even encompass all of this, but like the way that relationships change due to very small factors and sometimes very big factors. Obviously, he deals with a lot of gravitational issues in his films, but the personal nature of it is very delicate and impressive okay. to me. Oh, that's great. I'll, I'll, I'll have a look because that's the kind of stuff that interests me. Right on. There's also a lot of very joyful notes because it is a wedding and there's, you know, families coming together and the, <laughs> the yeah. families are a delight. It's great. All right. Cool. All right. Two All more right. I'm going to run by it from this year because I'm trying to get better at keeping current. So I watched uh, Psycho Gore Man. What? Have you, <laughs> you know anything about this movie? No. 
buddy, it is a blast. Watch it tonight. It's uh, a Shutter original, and it's kind of like a '80s fantasy horror throwback. There's, but it's this year, last yeah, year, 2020 or 2021. You know, kind of depending on where and when you got a hold of it. And it's a blast. It's like uproariously funny to me, and the effects are gorgeous and just like. I love practical effects. If you're into puppetry and weird blood gore, it's so, so good. And the fact that it like culminates in a dodgeball fight and you no, know, well, it's like, whatever. It, it's got a lot of great energy that I respond to a lot. So check out Psycho Gorman. Oh, definitely give it a look. And then the last it one. Right my alley. <laughs> that? It sounds right up my alley, to be honest. Dude, I, like, I think you're going to groove on it, especially, you know, we've talked a lot about Henson Studios and the kind of tactile nature of some of these things. It's so, so good, but it's so absurd. There's a shot where, <laughs> no, I'm not, all I'm going to say is at one point, a police officer tries to, there's a police officer and a shooting and it's just like the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen. He's trying to shoot himself. I just, I'm not even, it's so fucking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. And it's hilarious because of the makeup effect and whatever. Good, good. I'll give it a look. I'll do it. I'm in. And then the last one is Boss Level. Have you seen that one? No. Uh, Mel Gibson, right? Yeah, it's Joe Carnahan's latest film also. And that's why I bring it up because I want to talk about the Mel Gibson of it. Because I... <laughs> I liked this movie a lot. I think there's, you know, definitely things I would change, but I'm not here to rewrite his movie. It yeah. was striking to see Mel Gibson though. And I had that immediate reaction of like, bro, it's 2020. Why are we putting Mel Gibson in movies still? And then yeah. you have that frustration of like, oh, he's really good here. And then the added layer is that his role in this movie is, so the conceit of boss level is it's kind of like a Groundhog's Day thing, oh, but yeah. it's an action movie. And so like, you know, Happy Death Day, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. If instead of a horror movie about, uh, you know, teens, this was like an action movie about grizzled commandos kind of, or super spies, you know, shit like that. It's very heightened yeah. and very entertaining. And so Mel Gibson's role is he's the villain and you get to watch him get murdered a bunch. Like over and over again, they kill Mel Gibson to death. Yeah. So I was kind of like, wait, are we making the point that it's acceptable to put him in movies if we're satisfying our sort of like promising young woman itch of, yeah, fuck these people. Let's watch them go down. Um, yeah, it's, it's sad because, uh, you know, Mel Gibson, I, I thoroughly enjoyed early movies from him. Like, seriously, like, as action films go, like the Lethal Weapons, the uh, Ransom, Braveheart, you know, like Mad Max, like, he did I'm so well. I'm a big fan of Maverick myself. I don't know Maverick, do I? Oh, with James Garner and Jodie Foster, it's a Western, it's... I, it's not a great movie, but one that I watched 10,000 times as a youth. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, it basically, I was always like, that guy's great. And then, yeah, he kind of, he kind of just blew up his career and blew up, every, like, and just made me just like, ah, oh, 
why do you have to be like a horrible racist and sexist and like all at the same time and just be shit? I mean, at this point, I just have to assume that if you're very famous, I don't want to know anything else yeah. about you. Yeah, yeah, which is good because my general position is I don't care. Right. Um, like cele celebrity, very not interesting to me. <laughs> yeah, like, on the same page there, buddy. Just, just okay, whatever. Yeah, you, you, you do you. <laughs> but, but when they come out being like, they should just not talk. <laughs> just be rich and not talk. That'd be great. I mean, that would be my personal choice. If I could be rich and not talk, I would do that forever. But, you know, that's not the skill set or the personality of the people that ascend to this level. They demand attention. That's why they're very, very, very famous. Whether they are reasonable in their beliefs or not is a whole other thing, you know? Sure. Um, all right, should we get on to Tinker Taylor? Let's talk about the soldier spy. Yeah. Um, so I enjoyed it. I, I like this kind like if it's done well, I enjoy this uh, intrigue things. I like piecing together what I, so I, I pieced together a theory quite early on, which paid off, but it could have easily not paid off. Like, so I- How do you feel like you clicked into that? When were you starting to track the arc of this thing? Uh, I mean, I, I got from the introduction and the way films work that we introduced to all the characters and then I was like, okay, so one of these is, you know, going to be not what they seem. Sure. Um, but I, uh, I, I can't remember it. I kind of pieced it from, uh, yeah, I, I can't actually remember where I guessed, but basically where it solidified was when he, he was talking about meeting Carla and losing the lighter. And I was like, that's like um, an hour into the movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's so basically I, I, I had, um, I had a theory before that. And then when the lighter got lost, I was like, oh, okay. So he, it, the, the womanizer character that I've pro proposed earlier is definitely going to be relevant because it's talking about the wife and, you know, so I, I, kind of solidified there and then it went on to show that he cheated and then I was like oh 100 percent but <laughs> yeah um but it was good it was it was a um yeah I found myself at arm's length with it most of the time and for me okay. it was a pacing issue I feel like the first at not just a pacing issue but also a sort of a delivery and unfolding you know a mystery issue yeah. The first 35 minutes of this movie are inscrutable. It, it just is like very little context. And like you mentioned, bopping around, we're cutting yeah. from memory to flashback, from flashback to not necessarily future, but we're so all over the place. And it is, it's legitimately 35 minutes of. I was, yeah, I was lost. So I was like, wait, when did that person? And I didn't even catch that control died 
like in, in the first five minutes of the film or whatever, right. there's a there's a quick shot, a memory shot of him looking at a guy dead in the hospital bed. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, quick, I, I must have looked away because I didn't even notice that it was control. I saw like a person dead in a hospital bed and then it cuts back and he's, and I was like, what's going on? Like, And, and lots of shots of like very far off in the distance, one person in a brown trench coat walks up to another person in a brown trench oh. coat. And so I enjoyed that though, because I like the, you don't need to know what's going on. You just need to know something's going on kind of shot. Like, I'll go so, that far, but I'll only go there for about 10 minutes. You know, yeah. like could have completely lost patience by at, like legitimately by 20 minutes. I'm like, are we still doing this? Guys, give yeah. me something to hang on to here. And then yeah. 35 minutes into the movie when Tom Hardy makes his second appearance. And yeah. then the movie spends another 35 minutes on just that sequence where Tom Hardy is now explaining every single thing that we are witnessing in explicit detail in voiceover narration. So we go from absolutely nothing to way too much information that we already have several ways. And that's the first hour of this movie. And then you get to that midpoint, the lighter scene, which jumps back to the beginning where you can see the cigarette pack split in half. And you're like, that's a weird way to open the cigarette. And you're like, oh, oh, right. It's all red herrings. Yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch barely belongs in this movie. His plot lifts right out. And that's a bad red herring. That's bad mystery writing. The red herring should be at least smelly. You know what I mean? And the only yeah. reason he's a little suspect is because he gets suctioned into stealing the book, which he's doing for the right reasons. And we all know that. I've, I just felt like it failed as a mystery and it was boring as a movie. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. I mean, I... I enjoyed trying to work it out. I guess I like that kind of stuff. So um, I wanted to know which of them was selling everyone out. The the weaselly little Eiselman, or no, I don't know what his name is. One of the like the one who's obvious, you know, like obvious man or something like that. Yeah, obvious bad guy is obvious, and he's got his secret meeting. I I enjoyed that you're like. It's obvious he's not the bad guy because he's so obviously the bad guy. Right. Um, but then I like that it kind of tied back in that he was inadvertently the bad guy. You know, like most of them were because they were all part of this ploy that kind of sucked them in and they thought, oh, you know, we're being clever. And it turns out someone else is being more clever. <laughs> I do like that. I like the burn of the, the Russian intelligence like playing both the UK and the US off of each other to produce more results. No, I, good stuff. I found, I, I think that was the thing, because you're right, there was a few moments where I'm like, I'm confused. And then there were a few moments where I'm like, ah, it's going a bit slow, what's going on? Um, so I was kind of pulling away, but it kind of pulled me back in with like, uh, with the uh, Mark Strong's character. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I, especially when he gets to the the uh oh sorry go ahead yeah the orphanage or the school or whatever yeah right. like he, he he it's a strong character and it's it's so intriguing to me like how did he get out of russia and what is you know like what is all of this and um it, it yeah it, it 
I found it pulled me right back in. And but and at the end, when you find out that Russia had planned the whole thing and that it was actually Carla, the the main guy, was in their room listening to their information, like getting their information, and then uh, and he was doing he was giving them too much good information so that they would bring the US on board. And it was like, ah, oh, so he's he's giving up good information on purpose. Yeah. To pull yeah. in even more good information. And I was like, fuck, clever stuff. Yeah, I like the game. I I I like the reveal. I love I live for that moment. I just Yeah. 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 I, I can I can I can be there with you that it was long. And there's a weird thing. So this is to the Hoyt of an um, uh, the camera moved a lot. I want to talk about some of that stuff. So it it was like um, it moved a lot, and it and it and it kind of always pulling in, like always looking in into detail, and it. But I they're don't know what they're push zooms. So they're yeah. on dolly and they're zooming at the same time. So it's got this like wild 70s feel. Yeah. It really does feel like a 70s thriller. I think that's a real success of the movie also. And I think that belongs, I, I, you know, I'm going to give credit to our man Hoyta for that because it really is very successful. And another place where it's really successful uh, as an uh, exercise in cinematography is the situation in, it, it's Bulgaria, right? Where the mishap shooting goes down that the pot in the ground. Yep. When we're when we first get to that moment in the first what is it 10 or so minutes of the movie, yeah. all of a sudden I'm like, wait, why are we on a sound stage? We were just on location. What happened here? And then you find out that like, oh no, every single person in this place is an actor and yeah. it's a whole setup. I think that's really good photography. I found that really interesting that whole um like and and they did well like director wise uh to like he looks over his shoulder when the when the mother breastfeeding um makes a noise and it kind of it kind of tells you where she's sitting so then when she gets shot at all like they do things like the cues of the sounds so you knew where everything was like a sound was made and then Mark Strong would look at it and you, so you got a real picture of that whole street and it was all silent and the, the sweating waiter. So sweaty. Yeah. And it, this is another collaboration it, with, um, is it Alfred? Sorry, I gotta get the guy's name, but the, uh, the director of Let the Right One In as well. Ah, uh, Thomas Alfredson. There it is. Yeah, yeah. So these two as a combination they have some magic they really vibe on some visual expression i dig it yeah i found um yeah i i love gary oldman i think <laughs> good the moment uh it's probably about 45 minutes in he's sitting at the safe house watching tv and somebody knocks on the door and he just kind of looks to the side <laughs> in a very like oh well, that's can only be bad news sort of way yeah and he's yeah, got a he, couple of just little head nods in this movie there i'm like gary oldman he's so good at acting one of the opening ones is so basically the the signing of the resignation letter mm -hmm. and he says 
what about Mr. Smiley? One of them asks, what about Mr. Smiley? And he's like, he's coming with me. He's leaving with me. He's leaving the party with me. And then and they then, walk. But they have a look at each other like it hasn't been discussed. But he understands. He's like, all right, I guess I'm retiring. Like he hadn't, he hadn't like, you know, but just a few like eye looks and a bit of a nod. But you get the whole performance of, wait, ah, oh, okay. All right, I guess I... Yep, you know, and all of that comes across, and then they walk past everyone and out. No, the cast is incredible. I mean, I mean, we've mentioned a few names already: Mark Strong and Gary Oldman, but also uh, William Hurt or John Hurt. Damn it! Oh, John Hurt. Yeah, John Hurt. Sorry. Yeah, Uh, and then you know who else I like is Toby Jones. Is so good as like the Weasley guy and everything. Yeah. (laughs) Since we're calling out character actors. Uh, Karen Hines, man, is just one of my favorite strange-looking, intense dudes. Oh, for sure. But also, I don't know, I feel like Colin Firth... I'm sorry, I got some kitty troubles. Um, I always... I'm never not suspicious of Colin Firth. So, yeah. <laughs> what, yeah, maybe that was why I kind of put him in the... Yeah. I very quickly put him in the, that's the one to watch. Right. <laughs> like even in, I don't know, Love Actually, I, I'm just like, I got my eye on you, dude. Uh-huh. Never yeah. treat that housekeeper okay. Yeah. Never, never talking to her properly in the same language. Right. And then yeah. I <laughs> can't go into Love Actually. No. Uh, um, okay, right. Well, I mean, we had different experiences, but uh, so visually, I enjoyed the the eye that I had, like the viewpoint of the movie. the The cutting was difficult, but it rewarded me when I worked it out. So basically, it was cutting between memories, thoughts, uh, other scenes you know, the past, you know, like, so it's cutting around, but from different viewpoints. So it gets really convoluted. But when you, when I worked it out, I'm like, oh, okay, so that's this. And oh, so I guess I, I enjoy a puzzle like that, but I can see how, if you're wanting to watch a movie and just, you know, like, like, I, I mean, I get that it's, it's a, it's a mystery. You're meant to be working out the mystery, but you're not meant to be working out what the shots mean <laughs> like you know um well i don't know if that's necessarily true i think there's a lot of movies that sort of reward that like most recently um uh yeah oh, jesus christ i just wanted to say young women but that's totally not the name of the book uh little women thank you um did that really well greta gerwig and uh, the two different color casts and it's about for me it was like i was probably I don't know, further into that movie than I want to admit before. I was like, oh, two time. Okay, I'm in. I got it. (laughs) But it can be done. And I don't think the, I don't think that's the failure of the movie. I don't know that it's an editing thing. I think it's a, I'd be curious to read the novel because I just want to know how this is structured, you know, to begin with. I think it's a structured thing for me, but that's also kind of how I see movies, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm 
I did watch it in two parts as well. So maybe I just gave myself a break to think about it and then come back in and I was fresh again for the second half. So it didn't feel so long. Maybe that. Maybe I could see that helping a lot because I like a mystery movie and I sort of, but I'm never, I never watch a movie to figure it out. I sort oh, yeah. of reject that viewing yeah. prob like uh, behavior. Stuck in that. Like I can't, I can't get out of that. I would enjoy being able to not do that, but it's just my default mode is like, oh, cool, the puzzle, work it out. You know, like, and I, I always try and solve it. Um, I'm always even, just like, oh, cool. Where, what are you going to tell me next? Great. What's oh. more? Okay. And then, yeah. the, you know, I try and arrive at it like, great, worth it. As opposed to like, well, now nah, you said a lot of things. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, no, I mean, so basically, yeah, with the, with the spy stuff, I, a good spy movie, it's good for me, like, and I enjoyed the, the loop around from the kind of, the start of the film, setting up all the stuff and, and everyone thinking they're super clever, and then the end of the film kind of showing that most people are being outsmarted in the film, like, I do love that. I, I'm yeah. way into like, oh, you're all played. What's the, um, is it Burn After Reading that ends with J.K. Simmons? Oh, uh, yeah. That's not exactly the same thing, but it's like, wait, so yeah. what, we're all stupid? It's the one, yeah. So what did we learn? We didn't learn anything from this. What is this? this is, yeah. yeah. Oh, I did enjoy that, actually. Um, do you have some favorite spy movies? Uh, no, no, yeah, I was just trying to think of that. Um, I don't watch a lot of them, so I should... I enjoyed this one, so I should... I mean, maybe I just enjoyed the amazing performances from quite a stellar cast, so... You know what? I mean, yeah, I do just like watching these guys act, but since we're talking spy movies uh, and Coen Brothers spy movies, Bridge of Spies... Is, I haven't seen that, so there we go. I should watch it. Yeah, get right on that because it's got this. The whole arc of it is not even necessarily spy stuff. It's sort of negotiation and the nature of belief and whether a beginning and an end constitutes one event or two. Or you know, there's a lot of thematic goings on in that movie that I respond to, and it's really well executed by you know. Tommy Hanks, yeah. he's the best. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just looked it up. Uh, no, I have not seen this film. And, you know, you show me a person who doesn't love Tom Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> and I um, will show you a picture of Chet Hanks. Yeah, just, I don't, I don't know. know. I'm sure he loves his dad. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm glad that we have a bit of conflict there because I... Uh, I enjoyed it, but I can see, I can see where the failings that have annoyed you come. And then uh, the moving camera is, like you say, is the seventies thing. Uh, uh, it, I, I found the period of it perfect. It felt, it felt exactly like that, you know, that that old time. But um, yeah, I found the camera moved too often sometimes for oh, me interesting but but 
that's maybe just the mood I was in. Um, the production designer on this film is Maria Jurovic. Jurkovic. Okay. And she also did the imitation game. And let's oh, see. Okay. Ooh, Mama Mia. <laughs> the hours, Billy Elliot. All right. Yeah. No, she's legit. She's a pro. I, I would I'd be interested in exploring some production design because I think yeah. they have such a huge effect. Oh, you know what? She also did the snowman, um, which was another <laughs> Alfred Thomas Thomason. Sorry, I, I don't have the guy's name in front of me. Alfredson. Yeah. Thomas Alfredson did the snowman, but we can't blame him for that. <laughs> you know what? Uh, she also did, uh, speaking of Maria Jerkovic, did Red Sparrow, which I watched this week, coincidentally. What's that? It's um, uh, Jennifer Lawrence in a spy film. She's oh. doing Russian accent the whole time. Yeah, yeah. I, I Sorry, I watched it. I, I just forgot the name. Um, yes. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, God, what did I think? What did you think, actually? Sorry. I liked it. I, I remember it as having a kind of bad reputation. And then through most of the movie, I was like, wait, why does this have such a terrible reputation? And then the end gets a little rough. Yeah. You know, it's like, all right, we've, we've made your point here. We can get out of this thing. But for a lot of the runtime, I'm like, this is working. Yeah, the brutalness of it was, I remember um, like the training and stuff being quite harrowing. Yeah, um, well, very upsetting, especially because of the nature of the sexual exploitation. It really doesn't shy away from that. It, it, no, yeah, I remember bad. that yeah, being a bit intense, but, you know, would be quite accurate, unfortunately. Sure. Um, so, so it was a good story to tell. <laughs>